Okay, oh, I'm a bit scared about this. <laughs> and I thought to myself earlier, I'm going to say I'm scared about this. And then that's the bit you're going to cut in as a little beginning piece before the music. <laughs> you know exactly that's what I'm going to do. Um, there you go. And the more I talked about it, this will go in that little section, I can tell. Welcome to episode seven of Keeping On Track, the podcast where we discuss all things business through the prism of cinema. Um, I think probably more fairly it would be to say this is the show where we chat about the films that we love uh, and pretend there's a relationship to business. And, and sometimes we we managed to do that, I think, and pull that off. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Adam Heath, and joined this week, as always, by my good friend, Brad Williams, Bradley Williams. Himself. Yeah. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm good, yeah. It's hard being on that end, isn't it? It's, it's isn't hard. It? You don't know when to come in. You don't know when I know. To, oh, to, to be honest, uh, to be honest, I was marvelling at your skills of introducing. So, you know what? Actually, you know what? I think I'm going to let you have a second go at it, because it was so good. I want to hear it again. I'm not giving you that, mate. No way. That's one time only. It's a live recording we do on this podcast. We don't want people to think that we engineer it. I'm going to listen to it back over and over again and marvel at your skills. So, uh, as you can tell, we've switched things up a little bit this week. You're used to hearing Brad do the openings, but um, but last week, Brad threw this to me and asked me to take care of it. And I, I wonder if that's because you're getting sick of podcasting already after seven episodes. Is, is that the case? Uh, more that I think people will get sick of me. Than else. <laughs> I actually listened back to um, the end of, of uh, the last episode, and it was just—it really has come about because you threw a bit of a strop. I was—I was criticizing your giving four stars to every it film we discuss. So rude. You said, right, you do it. You pick a film. You—you—you you, you run it. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it so, as well. Good. So uh, yeah, you told me to pick a film, which I've—I've I've done, sort of. You know, a little, little bit of a twist. I think. Um, <laughs> In the spirit of keeping things fresh and mixing things up, which we've you know, we've discussed plenty of times, um, I had an idea to do something a little bit different. Um, so as well as doing this intro and, and choosing the film, I've invented a, a bit of a game for us to play. Mm. Um, and I think, time depending, this week we're going to talk about five films, not just nice. one. Nice That's one. Different in and of itself. But can I just um, say to, to anyone that does listen to this, that I literally have no idea what we're about to embark upon. All I've been told is get a die. And is it diet? Di- is it diet is singular and dice is plural, right? I mean, you said that with such conviction. I'm pretty sure it is. I don't know. Is I it? don't know. If I played more Dungeons and Dragons, I'd know. So a die is singular. I think a die is singular. Anyway, I've got one of those, and um, that's all. I've, that's all I know. Okay. Cool. Fair enough. Well, we'll get we'll get into it in a minute. I did. Say last week, I like a little bit of chat before we get too much into the film and businessy stuff. So I want to know. I mean, I've, I've talked to you four or five phone calls already today, so I know how your weekend. <laughs> I'm going to ask how your weekend was anyway. You just tell me. Oh, I don't, uh, what, what did I do at the weekend? Uh, what did I do? What did I do? What did I do? Um, I'll tell you what I've been doing. I've been catching up on Hunters. Uh, it's an Amazon show that I missed when it first came out, and it's been sitting on my to watch list. And so I've been I've been watching some of that. Um, and I um, revisited uh, the Secret Life of Walter Mitty, the Ben Stiller film, because yep. we we my wife was playing the of Monsters and Men album, and and this, one of the songs "Dirty Paws" is is one of the kind of key songs in that film, and kind of got me in the mood to revisit that. So those are some of the things that I did this weekend. 
I think um, I was talking to I was talking to Kirill today actually. He's mm. a guest on episode two, I believe, and um, he was saying how he's in in lockdown in this period. He feels like he probably should have watched a lot of things, and he's actually not watched anything. But now is almost the perfect time to catch up and binge watch a bit of TV, watch movies you haven't seen. Mm. Um, but I mean, you seem to be watching stuff endlessly anyway, so it's just normal. Uh, normal <laughs> it's just kind of business as usual for me. Yeah. If anything, I've been watching stuff less now than I ever do because I'm more busy, which is weird. You're more busy in lockdown. I'm more okay. busy now in lockdown than I was before because obviously people are limited with the resources and the output of, of the materials that they want to produce. So there's a lot more videos and animations and e-learning and things like that being produced because that's the kind of main output so it's kind of given me more work which has given me less time to to watch films so how uh, interesting you have a complete uh, reverse experience to to the rest of us i mean i'm, yeah. I'm in the same boat as you in <laughs> terms of the work yeah, yeah. But, but i am i'm still watching more stuff when i go home at night i'm watching uh, nothing of, of your caliber of course but, um, <laughs> watch, watching some movies that have long since passed me by and now going back yeah. well I, I, I think it's good for you if I'm honest I think that's probably one of the few good things that have come out of this is that you're watching more films it's good for you, there you go. so like I said I today I, I want to hopefully get as many as five films for brief discussions but hang on um, so what did you did you watch anything at the week I know you said you watched you watched Jurassic World didn't you did I watched Jurassic World? So, well, have you watched anything week. else this weekend? Um, no, not not from memory. We have been watching. Actually, that's that is definitely the case. We watched Jurassic Part Three on Friday or Saturday. I forget. Brilliant, Alan. We, we Alan. Watched, <laughs> yeah, been watching all the Jurassic Parts. For some reason, we've fallen into a kind of uh, series thing. Watching a series of films, and okay. then. You know, we're, we're going to tackle Pirates of the Caribbean next and go for whatever five, six that there are. There's a lot of self-loathing uh, going on in your household. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, so as with Jurassic Park and Pirates, I quite enjoyed the first ones and then they, they've yeah. seemingly gone a bit downhill from then. Well, do you know, actually, fun fact, um, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides is actually the most expensive film ever made. Didn't know that. No. It's singular film. I think it was like four hundred and thirty million dollar budget or something ridiculous. And I wonder how much of that was signed off at the beginning and how much was overspent. Because <laughs> that happens, right? It's a bit of a budget of about two hundred mil, yeah, and it I just ballooned. So. Yeah. Do you ever watch? So, um, what about TV? Like, because I, I tell you, I, you, you don't watch anywhere near as much TV as you should. But there's a show that I've consistently watched since it. It's it was released and I've been revisiting old episodes and I love them as much as ever. Is a show called Blackish? No, I've not come across oh, that. Oh, mate, it's so good. It's such a good show. You should look it up. It's uh... My problem with TV shows is um, I- I'm happy to watch TV while I'm doing other bits and pieces. So I love watching a quiz show or something in the background while I'm mm. working. But if it was if it was a drama, I kind of want to invest properly. And I'm yeah. always putting that off. Let me wait till I've got a few hours to watch a couple of episodes. It never happens. <laughs> Which is why you find yourself watching The Chase on a loop. Is that what this is? There you go. Nothing wrong with The Chase. And Beat the Chaser. And The Family Chase. And Chase Celebrity. Oh, All dear. fantastic. Shocking. So anyway, sorry I'm distracting. All right. One of the things... It's not easy for you to not talk, is it? You no, might it's be hard. In that sort of seat, yeah. um, one of the things that I do... <laughs> 
<laughs> Come on then. You alright? Yeah. I just love it. Go on, go for it, you rude little pig. Get on with it. <laughs> um, one of the things that um, I, I do a, a lot more than watching TV is listen to the radio. And I, I think I told you this story a couple of weeks ago. Um, one of the, the radio shows that I listen to, uh, sports on sports radio on TalkSport, um, I've been trying to find ways to, to kind of re-engineer their programs, I guess, while there's no sport on in lockdown. Uh, and I'm sure they're not the only ones, but they've been doing some, some fun games, uh, imagining that the football season had carried on and never stopped, and using dice to, to kind of play out the games, like, like Dungeons and Dragons, you know, rolling dice to figure out who would have won what matches. Um, and it got me thinking about something that we could try, which is what today's going to be about. Um, so one of the things that I feel you are particularly... Uh, renowned out and proficient in is, is finding abstract connections between topics and films and analogies and ways of connecting films to something else entirely um, which I think we've seen in the first six episodes some of those movies we've, we've, we've made some, um, some some bold attempts to connect them to kind of business topics mm. um, we'd have a little a little game of that today I've got 12 films and 12 business topics um, maps out in front of me I'm going to ask you to roll a dice and we're going to do hopefully five of these and each each time we're going to find a way if we possibly can to connect the film we, we, we uncover to uh, a business topic it's going to be fun makes sense it's going to be fun well these are all films that I've seen which is not, not a lot of <laughs> well hang on why did I need a dice I could have just picked a number between one and three <laughs> I am um, I tested this out a little bit just to, to see, and I actually think this is going to be a walk in the park for you. I thought this would be on paper. It sounds difficult taking something um, like, you know, some sort of business topic, like I don't know, recruitment or interviewing for jobs or kind of strategic planning. It sounds like that would be difficult to match to a Hollywood film, but I suspect you are going to blitz this. So are the topic as is the topic in the film completely random or if you sp already linked to completely topic random. in the film okay completely, so it's literally completely. i'm rolling twice to get two random numbers am i type thing you are indeed okay so cool. um, do you think you could put a little bit of music to this in the in the edit a little theme tune or something yeah of course i can I've, I've created a, a, a V lookup table in the spreadsheet. All very clever stuff here. So I can type in whatever numbers you roll and it will, it will, it will randomly pick the film and topic. What I love about this is most people would literally just have like some predetermined answers on a piece of paper and just bully me. But you're, you're actually making it genuinely random. So that's good. So do you want me to roll the dice? Please, let's roll that okay, dice. Right. Three. Number three. And that is... The usual suspects. Okay. Roll it once more for me, and then we'll get a business topic. Four. Four. Okay. Change management. The place change, change management. management. <laughs> easy peasy. Easy peasy. Let's do it. Right. Okay. Right. So, um, do you want to give? Do you want to give me a run in then? What, what? When we're talking about change manage, management, what are some of the areas that you feel? are the most pressing at the moment? What are some of the things that you think people are going through or anticipating the most? 
I'd, I hadn't personally thought about it and connected it to kind of current circumstances because change right. management is always an ongoing General. process and mm-hmm. what's happening. But that said, it, 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 it really does apply, you know, particularly, I guess, to the current um, world we, we live in, the situations we're living through. Mm. Uh, change management, I think, can be something that organisations aren't quite ready for or don't think through or see as a an afterthought maybe and actually Mm -hmm. the strongest organizations anticipate change and change management and kind of have um a good kind of i guess culture that's just ready for it you know Mm. um yeah those organizations that recognize change is inevitable and have a good solid internal communication team to help with change management good hr team i think uh tend tend to do do best in these situations yeah well in the movie the usual suspects um as as we know there are a group of criminals who sort of are brought together at random they don't know each other too well they're all employed by a a mystery third party um to to carry out a heist and um we continually flash backwards and forwards between this story of this heist as it unraveled and uh, and this cop who's interviewing uh, Kevin Spacey's character um, and the I think that the, the point of the movie is that for anyone that hasn't seen it turn off now but the point of the movie obviously is at the end where this character of Kaiser Soze that we continually hear about throughout the movie when it when it when it becomes apparent after Kevin Spacey's been let loose um, he's been he's been let go by the police and the police officer kind of just views him as this um, uh, this guy with a disability who is just sort of an innocent party in this whole thing and as we as we get that that moment where the cop realizes that actually Kevin Spacey was Kaiser Soze the whole time and this whole thing has just been just been a, 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 a this almost concocted, story of everything that's happened and it's a very untrustworthy narrative and that's obviously the big reveal of the movie and I think that that applies to change management in in the fact that sometimes we go to a granular level and we're looking for details in so many areas and how we can improve things how we can action things and sometimes I think we need to kind of step back and take a more holistic view of the implications as a whole like where are we trying to go what is our universal goal what are we trying to achieve and then tailoring things to, to meet that goal rather than just going in and changing things for change sake, um, especially in uncertain times or especially when there's a, a feeling of change. We have to change. Change should be happening. But, but why do those changes need to happen? Otherwise, we're going to find ourselves in a position where um, we are faced with our own Kaiser Soze where we go great fantastic let's roll this out and then there's this white <laughs> elephant in the room that's messed the whole thing up for us so there's your connection between the usual suspects and uh, change management does that sit yeah I think I'll give you that that's a pretty <laughs> strong start um, I like I like the fact as well that it, uh, an important part of change management can be telling a really good story you've yep. got to get your story and you've got to tell it well and convincingly and that's what kaiser soze does you do he tells do. uh lead them a merry dance with a story yeah yeah and you know the scene that- when uh benicio del toro's character when they're all in the lineup and uh yep. and they have to say what is i can't remember what it is put the money in the bag or something i can't remember the line now 
Um, and he says he's lying, and the, the cop says, can you repeat that, please? And then he goes, oh, would you? And he sort of gets the ump. Well, that was Brian Singer, and that was a completely natural reaction because he was basically winding Benicio Del Toro up, asking him to say the line over and over and over again. So the reaction that you get in the film is actually Benicio Del Toro's genuine act- reaction in character to being bullied by his director. <laughs> it's one of the hardest things I find to um, to try and explain to folks who don't do what we do is actually the role of the director you know there's a lot of misconceptions about what director actually does and and Mm. that stuff for me is the most important thing actually you're literally playing the emotions of your acting talent and sometimes playing dumb or you know or 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 trying to elicit a certain emotional response like you are you're tricking them sometimes into things you need or want to see on camera yeah um you can't plan for that that's just a kind of people kind of yes well, it works in change management as well, though, right? Because I think ultimately, sometimes it's easy to kind of feel like you need to have all the answers or be the driving force. But sometimes I think it's good to push other people into positions where they have to do stuff or they have to react to get that extra, you know, to get that additional point of view or to get that extra input from somebody. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll give you that. That's, that's not a bad start. I knew you'd find it. So right. do I insert clap noises here? Like insert a little clap noise or something to Let's say do I've it. done well. Let's do a little little ding, little positive sound effect that says you've done it right. Um, another thing I thought I could use today for, as we're talking through these movies, is to really bulk out our little league table of films. Oh, so, okay. Uh, Let's get, let's get a little score out of five for the usual suspects. Okay. Well, this, are, are gonna, you're going to be happy with this one. I'm going to give usual suspects a three. Because that is criminal. No, it's not criminal. It's not criminal. Genuinely, right. genuine Usual Suspects is not a great film. It is just the, a well-told I story. No, I disagree entirely. There's not a much <laughs> more. I disagree with you with, but that's one of them. Suspects going in there, number uh, three out of five. I three think that's criminal. Yeah. Given that Romeo and Juliet gets four and a half. Yeah. Just... You know why? Because shut your face. That's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'll roll the dice, shall I? Right, okay. let's roll. I'm gonna, you know what, as we do this, I'm like when we've got this wild banter going on, I'm going to have like audience reactions, like a sitcom, like, oh, like when, I, when we're being rude to each other. And I'm just going to make this a sitcom-y kind of feel to it. You, you with that? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Right, five. Well, five. Wally. Oh, mate. Okay. And one. Number one. Interviewing. interviewing. So, okay. uh, I haven't really decided if that is interviewing for a job or being interviewed or, uh, yeah, in- interviewing people to join your company. It could be any of those things. Okay. I guess. So I guess I guess maybe let's think about interviewing as a whole because I wonder whether we're not we're not experts on interviewing so we shouldn't profess to to have all the hints and tips to share with people. Um, but maybe let's 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 little. You know, I'm not going to try and fashion this towards my own end, so I'm just going to say this at random. But maybe we can talk about like how necessary is interviewing? Like, is it a necessary thing? Is it an antiquated thing? What do you think? Oh, like, on your, when it comes down to view, in, interviewing somebody for a job, say, does is it work? Does it work? Is it useful? See, I I didn't anticipate you saying is it is it necessary because a, a big part of me is like, of course it's necessary and that's mm. a, a given, but. Uh, I, I guess I'm not putting words in your mouth. What what you possibly mean is 
that old school way of interviewing is that relevant anymore i think the answer mm. is no mm -hmm. i think you're at least for, for, for me your ambition is to get to know someone and, and understand a cultural fit for your organization rather than a, a grilling you know i think I, I guess i'd if i ever went into another interview and someone asked me tell me about a time you did such and such or about a particular um business functional skill you have i'd i'd cringe you know i'm, I'm hoping that they, they want to know about me as a human being first um but that might be uh unrealistic maybe maybe that old kind of technical interview is still completely valid i don't know mm. it's a strange one isn't it because i feel like it's a it's a weird one because when we when we're casting when we're casting that's kind of like an interview and people always are their best self they're eager to please they want the job uh they'll laugh at your jokes no matter how lame they are they'll they'll pretend to be interested in your stories and your opinions um we all do it and and i think that interviews in a weird way feel to me as as disingenuous as exams and tests because it doesn't it's not showing who you are or what you know it's just showing how you can perform on a given moment so i i feel like um there are a lot of directors that i kind of um feel especially with casting obviously slightly different but there's that sense of just spending time with somebody spend an hour yeah. with somebody have lunch chat to them just talk chew the fat like see if you get a sense of who this person is but then you do also have that weird sort of inverse of that is you don't want an organization to have everybody who's the same and when sure. you're interviewing yeah. you're kind of almost saying do i like this person at its core do i like this individual and and that's not really the question the question is are they going to be an asset are they going to be a good addition to my company or to our company and so in a weird way you almost feel like that's why i feel like maybe interviewing is not the greatest solution to recruitment or career progression because of some of those fundamental prejudices that are built into it or am i just talking rubbish i don't know no no you're, you're right you're right i think um some of the kind of job sites like Indeed and stuff where you can search for people to to employ. Mm. Um, I've got some interesting approaches maybe where they've they've kind of addressed the fact that part of an interview, if 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 that's what we're calling it, is a technical part, like what skills does that person have, and then the other part is the human part. But I, I think I'm right in saying that Indeed have got some tests that you can take as an, right. as an applicant, if you like, to prove your technical prowess. Okay. So when an employee finds you, and uh, an employer, sorry, finds you and you've said you've got such and such technical skill, there's actually kind of some evidence to back it up. Right. Um, so they're almost, I, I guess, to some extent, taking care of that first half of the interview that we, we can kind of validate this person can do these things you need. And now let's get down to the kind of the, the fit, you know, the, the personality and who they are. Yeah. Um, this is a lot of I'm sure very interesting chatter about interviewing, but are you just stalling for time to try? And no, no, no. I've got it. I know what I was going to do from the off, but I just want to. I like to give some context to my explanation, so it doesn't sound like I'm just talking drivel. Um, so in in Warley, um, he spends a lot of his time at the beginning of the movie on his own on this abandoned earth, and he's just kind of shoveling around, picking up rubbish and compacting it and things. And then this this other robot turns up, this Eva, and initially. Um, they're very, very different. Eva's very slick. She's that kind of apple, 
um, future robot, um, very aggressive, very um, efficient, there to just essentially do an environmental audit of the planet. And Wally is much more analog, much more sort of um, in that kind of 80s based sci-fi sort of a feel industrial feel to him very clunky very rusty you know and so these two individuals feel like they wouldn't be compatible at all but in spending time with each other in um engaging each other and, and showing each other their strengths and weaknesses and vulnerabilities they actually begin to to form a bond that allows them to inevitably save humanity and and i think that that's why interviewing to me feels like an antiquated um, because it does come down to do I like you not how can we work together not yeah. um, if we spend time with each other what could we possibly achieve or how you know I so I, I actually think that um, Wally teaches you know if, if we're going to stretch it Wally teaches us that um, and then the other side of it is is the fact that just because something is something something comes along as and feels like the right thing for the job it doesn't mean it is because you have that kind of how thing on the on the spaceship um, that essentially becomes the evil the antagonist of the whole movie yeah. and it's super efficient it does everything for everyone to the point where humanities just turn into these kind of blobs that float around on the spaceship, but actually it's hindering them and their ability and, and preventing them from doing more and achieving better. So I almost yeah. feel like sometimes we need to sort of really be more of, uh, give more of an evaluation to the people that we're employing, the jobs that we're asking them to do. And actually being right for the job doesn't mean you're the right person for the individual interviewing, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I think as well that that Wally is um, infinitely capable of the yeah. task that he's been set and yeah. very good at it, but it isn't who he is actually. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and his true kind of humanity, if you like, only comes out through the experiences of other, other, other beings. Yeah. Exactly. So what you're basically saying is this is the perfect movie to talk about interviewing. <laughs> it's not the perfect, but maybe I mean we could have had usual suspects with interviewing as well. But um, it definitely it definitely fits. I think we've we've made yeah. it fit. We've we've pushed that square peg into that round hole. Good work. Yes. This is, uh, Rab William at uh, his best. I, I don't think we're going to go on all night and we wouldn't have done him. Right, give me a, a rating. Let's get Wally in. Oh, uh, you know what? I do like Wally. I haven't seen it in a number of years, um, but I remember when it first came out, it was like, I was like, this is the best Pixar film ever. I, I think since it, that's not necessarily the case, but um, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play it safe and I'm going to give it a four. I know you hate that, um, but I'm going to give Wally a four. Um, purely because I can't remember if I love it enough to give it a five. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll allow that. That's fine. Thanks, right. Dad. Time to roll that dog right, again. Okay, here we go. Here we five. Five. The Truman Show. <laughs> good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Uh, two. Two. Work-life balance. <laughs> oh, man. This is a cheat, isn't it? Right? This is a cheat. Okay. Easy. Okay. So let's do this the opposite way around this time. So the Truman Show, for anyone who hasn't seen it. Adam, do you want to describe it or do you want me to do it? Um, the Truman Show is effectively um, uh, almost an early version of, of Big Brother, right? This predates Big Brother from memory. Um 
Is that right? I'll do a quick check while you're talking. We think so. So certainly well ahead of its time. Truman Show uh, tells the story of, of, a, of a man born into a reality TV show, basically. His entire life is constructed. It's, it's a, a massive set and every human being he comes into contact with is an actor or actress um, for the benefit of people all around the world watching his life play out, basically, like a reality TV show. And he has no idea that his life isn't, isn't real. It's a staged environment that he's been brought up in. Um, Jim Carrey are doing sort of a half Jim Carrey role, would you say? It's not really the way yeah. we used to see him. Yeah. You know, but somewhere between the kind of comical and, and, and the very serious. Good. Uh, no, Big Brother came out two years after Truman Show. 1998 Truman Show oh. came out. Big Brother was 2000. So this just slightly predates the kind of reality TV movement. Mm. But obviously, I think he's more of a nod to shows like The Real World and, and things like that, because obviously the reality TV movement was quite big in the 90s, wasn't it? But yeah, so, so I guess that um, Truman Show fits nightly, nicely into the work-life balance, because um, we look at it from two areas. First of all, there's the they're the quote unquote employees, the people that work for the show, and um, you know everybody everybody other than Truman is a, is an actor, and the cameras are on twenty four seven, and so those people are essentially dedicating their life to their job. Everything they do, every waking moment, is their job. His wife, that's her job. Her job is to be his wife, is to be there in the morning, to be there in the night, um, to sleep with, sleep in the same bed and things like that. And so, obviously, that paints a very dangerous picture. And, and I think the kind of the, the central conceit of the movie is that these things don't last. And, and so when you have a fictional surrounding, when you surround yourself in a world that isn't genuine and, and, and isn't part of uh, what naturally comes to you that that will never last that will always kind of fall apart and so I guess when we're talking about work-life balance we're talking about being able to have that off switch that distance what happens when you want to step away from something looking at it from the opposite side of Truman's perspective he, he never gets any he doesn't know it but he doesn't get any downtime either if he's when he's playing in the bathroom and he's drawing the little astronaut with the soap on the mirror or when he tries to take the boat and go sailing and they're always trying to stop him from doing that he never gets any chance to uh, to to disengage from the world around him that and and I think that sometimes that can feel that that's what it can feel like especially if we're in a period of, of like a busy period or we're in a period where we're being demand something's being demanded of us like we never feel like we have an off switch we never feel like we're able to sort of go off i'm going to go and take 15 minutes for me because you always feel like someone is watching you someone is going to check up on you or the minute you know sod's law is the minute you go and have a sandwich someone's trying to call you and things like that so we need to and a lot of companies tell us to do this but we need to be better at turn your phone off leave you you know close your laptop go for a run do something else that is going to take you away from your work environment because otherwise you'll never you'll never find a, a way to um, be be you. There are obviously certain careers where maybe people are so intrinsically linked to the job that they do that it is hard to separate those two people. But I think that's very rare. Very very few people get to do the thing that they love and so for them work isn't a chore. Work isn't about you're essentially getting paid to have a hobby. Um, but even then, I think it's important to take time out for other people and for yourself. And we, ha- and we have one of our Monday motivational videos about this actually as well. So you can look that up on our website. 
nice plug. Nicely Thanks. done. I did it myself. I, uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, yeah, there's, there's a movement towards talking about this more as kind of life balance, not work life, just life. Yeah. yeah. Because if there isn't a, a, a dividing line between the two. They're, they're kind of intermingled. Mm. Your work, your profession, your career is your life. It is part of your life. Um, and it's how you kind of get that balance right across the board. So it's not just nine to five is work outside of that. You should stop working and have a life. It's all your life. And it's how yeah. you kind of strike that balance. Working flexibly in some cases, working from home as we're all experiencing now is kind of part of achieving a life balance for some people. Mm. For lots of people, actually, I think there's going to be a huge, huge movement towards working from home as a kind of standard approach for lots of businesses. Yeah. Um, so I think there's, there's a positive move towards thinking about the balance of our life and how we spend our life not not the division between work and other things yeah definitely um, so another film that, that quite naturally ties itself to the, the business topic you know and I, yeah is Zara this is work, working out although not surprising like, so when I did some tests I found that probably in lots of movies actually there is a way you can see yeah. some connection to some aspect of life definitely. to some aspect of work so let's get a score for Truman Show get that on the board um It's an unfair judgment because I, I once again haven't seen Jim Truman Show in about ten years, but um, I'm going to give it three and a half. Going to give it three and a half because I I imagine it's as similarly to Fight Club. I don't necessarily think it will hold up. If I watch it now, I don't. I really? reckon I don't yeah. reckon it will hold up. It's still a great film. Jim Carrey's wonderful in it. Peter Weir's a great director, but I'm wondering if it will feel a bit dated and a bit sort of clunky now. I have a hunch it's going to feel more and more relevant. Do you it's reckon? more and more relevant to the world. Yeah, absolutely. Because we are literally not, maybe not literally being watched now, but in terms of the amount of cameras in our homes, the amount of security systems, yeah. system, I feel like I'm in the Truman Show. Like you said, <laughs> there are times where people won't, won't, won't uh, consider, consider five minutes too long to wait for a response to a phone call. Mm. I get four phone calls, text message, and email, or Skype, and a, you know, and a Facebook notification. Yeah, but that's just me. Yeah, but that's literally just me trying to get hold of you. <laughs> that's not true. Yeah, a lot of, lot of folks do it. I, I, just, I, uh, I feel like it's going to become more and more relevant, that movie. That is the world we're living in, the kind of artifice. Yeah, Maybe. absolutely. So sorry, I, I just I just feel like if you've got an Instagram account or a Facebook account or a Twitter account, you're you want to be Truman anyway. You're you're publicising your life. You're you're putting your yeah, life out there. True. And the only difference yeah. is you you get to choose which Truman you are, rather than Ed Harris being up in the moon deciding what people see about you. You know, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. but we'll okay. see. We'll see. Cool. Right. right. Okay. Here we go. Three down. Two to go. One. Number one. Lord of the Rings Return cool, well, I went well. specifically for that particular film because it's our least <laughs> favourite of the three and another roll of the dice please okay oh six six Lord of the Rings and <laughs> the importance of planning in business the importance of planning plan. okay should we look at this from uh, Sauron's experience <laughs> yeah I mean not enough better. people have talked about yeah no, no one no. talks about something no, poor old Sauron. Um, yeah, obviously, you know, this is going to have spoilers galore in it, but in, gen in general, I imagine most people have, have seen or are aware of the Lord of the Rings trilogy and uh, more so the outcome of the film. Uh, for those who don't know, the ring gets destroyed and, uh, you know, the goodies win. 
Um, it's a little bit more nuanced than that, but um, yeah. So, so not Lord, a lot. No, not a lot, not a lot. There's a lot of. It's the longest epilogue of any film ever. It's about 15 minutes long. Frodo jumps on a bed and plays with a pillow fight. Aragorn gets becomes king, and you know, it's just this this constant prologue, uh, epilogue. Sorry, that goes on and on and on. Um, so planning. Okay. Uh, well, there's a lot of. I guess there's a, a thousand and one ways we can look at this. But if we do, if we do go from the Sauron perspective. Now, obviously, which that—that's the least uh, expected route. I, I, I could—I uh, imagine various routes you might take. I didn't ever imagine. So let's see it from Sauron's point of view. Gonna, but I'll tell you I'm what I'm going to do. I'm going to give, give it from Sauron's perspective, and then you can give me what you thought was going to be the the, 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 the avenue we'd go down. Um, so Sauron obviously put a lot of plans in place. Um, when from the point where he was destroyed. Uh, before that even because he, he essentially for Harry Potter fans out there essentially the ring is a horcrux right it's essentially his spirit is um, connected to, to the one ring that's the sort of the token that, that allows him to come back uh, as a necromancer first of all in the Hobbit and that kind of legacy and then eventually to, to start to become the eye of Sauron and and uh, I don't. Do he, do he, I can't remember. Now. He doesn't actually get to the point of fully realizing himself as a physical form anymore, does he? I think he gets close, doesn't he? But he never actually manages to achieve that, right? Um. No, he doesn't. They, no, they he originally shot. They, they shot footage of him on the battlefield in physical form. They felt right. they needed to fight Aragorn. And then in the edit, they realised that was a complete mistake, and it was almost too Hollywood a thing to do. They didn't need yeah. to go that far, didn't get so they to push then, it. When, in, right. in CGI, they printed him out and painted trolls and things over the top. Oh, okay. Um, and so he kind of has all these he's, these plans he puts in place. He he you know he obviously sets a lot of things mm -hmm. out, even down to um, you know sending off. Um, What's that guy called that Brad Dorif plays? Uh, that that's that's Worm he poised wound. What is it? Worm. Worm tongue. worm tongue, yeah. So he, you know, by putting worm tongue in place, so that he can control what happens um, there, and, and obviously by, um, I don't know if he does or doesn't have any direct links to Gondor, or the kind of the the sort of because the, the king there is sort of bit poisoned and crooked and power hungry, isn't he? I don't know whether that's got yeah. anything to do with Sauron, has it? He's been he's sort of he's been using a palantir to look the looking stone to see right. what's going on. He's been poisoned a little bit, but yeah. I don't know if that's Sauron's influence or just the kind of menace that's crept. The point is that he puts all of these plans in place, but what he doesn't count on are the the certain some certain things along the way going wrong or not going to the way they should go, or um, obviously like what you would maybe call. Um, non-quantifiables or variables and so uh when we when we make plans that's why i always you know there's a common phrase in the best laid plans um i don't i think planning is is very different to succeeding and the two aren't always necessarily linked um that pl but planning is a form of movement towards achieving a goal it's it's a part of that but i don't think it's the be all and end all and so when we make plans or we set things out we make goals for ourselves we shouldn't necessarily pin all our hopes on that happening or if it goes wrong we should be able to pivot to be able to adapt um and and, and actually to find that sometimes 
weird and wonderful surprises are born out of out of things not going to plan. Um, so I think planning is a good way of giving structure to what we do, but I don't think that we should necessarily keep rigid to it because even like look, this year's shown us doesn't matter what you plan, any, you know anything can come along. But we need to be able to kind of go, okay, well that's not exactly where I intended it to go, but let's follow that through and, and let's look at that. Um, and I think that Sauron's inability to adapt to his plans are ultimately what comes to his downfall. Um, and actually, the reverse through the fellowship right because mm. the entire way through all three films every plan they've made has changed along the way something yeah. has deviated them from their plan yeah um, losing Gandalf, um, frodo breaking away from the group that would no one imagined that would happen mm. at the beginning of the movie they didn't mm. dream of that we're going together yeah um all, all these deviations though this group have, have adapted to and they've been flexible enough to to kind of to not necessarily change the end goal the objective is the same but how we get there is, is changing and the course is being adjusted um, yeah. based on things that happen on us. Yeah, definitely. So is that is that the avenue you you thought we were going to go down talking about the, the the fellowship and the plans that they made? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you say, thought about. Remember, I've only just this is as random to me as it is to I didn't. <laughs> of course, but, but of course. Five minutes ago, when this popped up, I immediately imagined you talk fellowship. I didn't. I should have known. Actually, I've known you long enough to know that. You, <laughs> let's talk about Sauron plans. <laughs> You're correct. I'm contrary enough, am I, that you thought I'd go south? <laughs> I always sympathise with the underdog. <laughs> I've actually worked for a few Saurons in my life, the all-seeing eyes. But um, yeah, I, I, I just, I just think that the planning is an odd one, isn't it? It's a, it's a strange one because you do, you do sort of realise, like if you don't plan for things, if you don't, you know, if you want to achieve something, so. For all day long, everything we do is planning. Every production we do is planning. Every every conversation yeah. we have, oh, let's put that in the diary. Let's plan for this. Let's do that. These are our deadlines. We have to do it by these days. But very rarely do those plans ever come to fruition. I can't I can't think of the last time you and I said, right, I've got to shoot on Wednesday. We're going to film this, then this, and then we'll stop here, and then we'll give ourselves twenty minutes for this, and then we'll do, and we'll finish by this time. And you get there, and then you have to change the order. That person's not well, so you have to change that. Everything adapts. Everything adapts all the That's time. That's true. That's completely true. But that does that beg the question? Then why plan? What's the value in planning? Because I think I think planning, like I said, I think planning gives you structure. If you've got the structure, you know you can stay within the confines of that structure, and it should still yeah. go in the direction it's I, supposed to. I guess that for thinking about the work we operate in and the, and the work we do. I don't think I would say the structure is there when the plan goes out the window because often the structure mm. isn't. But I think what is there is that's like the groundwork for us. Yeah, like we've prepared ourselves. And although almost everything changes, that's kind of given us a kind of headspace to then operate from. Um, and we can kind of quite quickly devise a new plan because mm. we've kind of done, it's like working that muscle. You know, we've, we've kind of done the, the reps to get our, our brain into that kind of way of thinking Yeah, um, that we can adapt on the fly yeah and then obviously this this whole podcast ge the general consensus the general <laughs> um conceit of this podcast goes against all of that because we don't plan any of this like literally we you know we pick a film we pick a topic and that's it um and, that, and that's why we probably very hit and miss in what we talk about maybe that's <laughs> more hit than miss i'm, I'm proud of us <laughs> in what we've done so far <laughs> this episode right. is a miss Go on. Okay, so you want me to give you a, a point? I'm going to give this a one. 
one. No, I'm just getting a, I'm just getting a rise out. Yeah, I'm going to give it five, man. I like it. I like Return You're of the King. No, honestly, I've, I've, I first first saw it. I hated. I wrote an article about this about four years ago. Like films that I watched that I hated, and then rewatched and realised they're actually brilliant. And uh, Return of the King is is one of those films. Wow, I love it. Amazing. Other than the last twenty minutes, I love it. Yeah. Couldn't have predicted that. I, I, for me, yeah. it's the least interesting of the three film of the three Lord of the Rings films. So I'd have given it a two or three. Yeah. See, yeah. you know, so there are th- certain dynamics that I think you look that people look past, right? So the father-son dynamic of Faramir that's in Return of the King, I absolutely think is is it's genius. Like you've got a movie and the world is 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 at stake, and we've got we've followed these characters for hours and hours and hours but what potentially is weeks and months of their actual lives and then we still take time out to focus on a seemingly inane relationship between a father and a son but that becomes a central theme around you know how we are we aren't we don't inherit um curses we don't inherit the views and opinions of our elders that actually we can become very independent people um and that um, when somebody is on a, in a on a path to destruction, that we owe it to them and to those around us to speak up and try and stop them, because that's what happens ultimately with with that whole situation. But I feel that that is almost like early Sauron esque kind of behaviours and things. So anyway, just I'm rambling, but that that I love the idea that that in a movie that's like imagine in Avengers Endgame. They took twenty minutes out to, to explore the Hulk's relationship with his nan. Do you know what I mean? It just seems completely random, but it works. It works in the context of the story. There you go. There we Very go. good. Right, this is our final uh, two rolls of the dice. Number Ooh, five. Okay. Four. Number four. That is the Lion King. The Lion King. One. One. Red. One already. So this is my second one, which is sales and marketing. Um, and it could be either Lion King. I'd just say mm. it could be the original Disney classic or the remake of recent years. Yeah. Well, actually, then let's do that. Actually, I think you kind of hit on something. Let's abandon the na- the narrative of the film. I'm sure we can find some stuff in there, especially around Timon and Pumbaa. I'm sure and Scar around sales and marketing, um, because ultimately Scar sells sells a lie, and the whole film is based on that lie. Um, and so that's the power of sales and marketing. But um, let's actually look at something more object, object, objective here. Is how did Disney persuade everybody to go and watch a film that was going to be a shot-for-shot remake of a film that's already beloved, but just to do it as as uh, as a computer-generated version? Like, how did they do that? How how did they manage to get people interested enough that go, oh yeah, I'm going to love that film? Well. It's exactly the same film we've already seen, but just looks different. Like, what the hell is that? So, I put that to you, Mr. Heath. What do you think is the power? What power do, do they possess within their marketing to, 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 to bring that across? Because you went and watched it at the cinema, right? So Yeah, I did. Yeah, what, what drew you to it? I, I don't... That's a great question. I don't know. I think a big part of me says off the bat, you, you have to have an amazing film to do that with you know you can't you wouldn't get away with that unless it's genuinely a classic and i think for most people certainly for a certain age it, it is a classic um is it really that the kind of right place right time i don't know could they could they do this in 30 years time to, to your kids for example i feel like for us 
these are the movies we saw as kids growing up and we've been growing up around the technology and involved in the technology so to now say come see that film that you loved and and we're not going to mess with it actually we're not going to change it for a new audience because that happens all the time this is for you guys as you saw it remade word for word almost song for song um that to me is really appealing um it's tapping into i guess our constant kind of holding on to our youth maybe uh, and I don't know if you could get away with doing that again. You know, will will your kids watch a remake of something they're watching now in 30 years and feel the same about it? I, I guess not, because it, it's already been made at that kind of higher standard, you know, that, that high visual quality. Whereas for us, they're polishing something that, you know, n- not needed it, but, but benefited from it, you know? Mm. So do you think it's nostalgia? Nostalgia is a very um, is a tool, isn't it? In, in sales and marketing, nostalgia is a tool because you've got something. You're essentially selling. You're selling something back to somebody that they already own. They they had two choices, didn't they? And there are mm. other examples of this where they could remake. It's a reimagined idea, and it's not the same movie by any stretch. And that people do that all the time. And I don't think I get engaged with that that kind of stuff. Mm. But. If you, if you loved it when you were 10 years old, here it is again, almost exactly the same. I, I, I can see why that's an attractive um, proposition, you know? Mm. So I guess Simon Sinek and all this stuff that gets repeated all the time around the why, and I think the why is the biggest part of sales and marketing, isn't it? Why would you want this? Why do you need this? Why is this important? Why am I telling you about this? Um, and, I, and I guess that that why is often going to be you're familiar with it, you already know it, you've already got some expectations around it, or the opposite of that, which is, um, you you know, this is something that's going to revolutionise the way you do things, or this is something you haven't seen before, or this is something that everybody else is raving about, you need to partake. It can be, can't it? There's yeah. certainly, that's one technique, you know, there is the fear of missing out, there is that, that's mm. a technique. Um, I think... Uh, oftentimes, there, there can be no strategy in sales mm. marketing. You you can be sold something without even someone meaning to sell it. You know, mm. and, and and I think about all the the kind of um, interpersonal sales and marketing. When you when when we chat and one of us says, "Oh, did you see such and such?" and, and it's a it's a little personal recommendation, but you're, you're doing a sales pitch on behalf of that original artist, if you like. Mm. Um, so it's kind of we're, we're all selling and marketing ourselves and the things we like to each other on, on a daily basis yeah um, specifically the, the Lion King's a funny one to come up um, for this are you familiar with the, um, the controversy around the original Lion King what that is a remake of a Japanese cartoon is it Japanese Correct. or yeah. yeah the movie is a 1960s anime series called Kimba the White Lion and the parallels are uncanny again some examples are shot for shot beat for beat moment for moment um it is quite incredible but even that i've I've realized is an interesting exploration of sales and marketing because although there isn't an official answer to this and there's not an official line um from disney let's imagine they were influenced and they took many of your ideas and an existing piece of content and they repackaged it right they repackaged it in their own way their own version of that story but very similar iconography very similar themes almost artistry the same Mm. um 
and then applied their sales and marketing. And that's what the great sales and marketing organizations do, right? They take a product and they repackage it and they yeah. market it in a way. And that's the power of what they do. Yeah, uh, I think lots of us have recognized that, that Disney isn't a movie company as such, they're a marketing company. They're yeah. the best at selling product. Definitely. But I, th- I think as well, because there is also sometimes there's that mentality of, oh, well, if someone else is first to market, then that's it. That's the, that's the market cornered. But I don't, I don't think we genuinely believe that, which is why we all have like a variety of different TVs and touchstone, touch um, mobile phones and all these sorts of things. But um, I was watching this thing recently about uh, Thomas Edison and George Westinghouse. And the idea is that, you know, you had Nikolai Tesla in this mix as well, but you had these two individuals who were trying to be first to market with, you know, electricity and, and all these different things. And, and there's the competition that's born out of that. And then, but then once one of them gets to market, it doesn't suddenly mean the other person's not necessary. It's then the way that they market themselves to differentiate themselves from the other person. And um, this this Kimba thing, I think for those who are familiar with it, which I think at the time probably would have been predominantly an Asian audience, possibly would have looked at the Lion King and thought one of two things. Oh my goodness, that is an absolute ripoff. Or, oh, that looks cool. That looks like a different version of, of this. I wonder if that's any good. And everyone's telling me it's good and all the reviews are good and, and I quite like the look of it. So when we when it comes to us, for example, like there are thousands of people in the world that do what we do. Some of them do them better, some of them do them worse. Um, and any one time when we're in a room with, with quote-unquote competition, we're not selling our services, we're selling us. We're selling the relationship and the experience and the products that we can produce because the, I would argue that anybody in a creative, in this kind of, this film, this field of creativity, predominantly filmmaking, has the ability to write a good script, has the ability to make a good film, has the ability yeah. to edit it in a way that's engaging. But I do think that contrary to what we were talking about earlier on with interviewing, I think that when it comes to, when you're buying something, you're buying into something, I think that um, knowing that you're going to have a good experience or you you almost preempting, oh, I'm probably going to enjoy that. So I'm making an investment on my joy. I'm making an investment on my happiness at the end of it and and in a weird way that's all sales and marketing is and it is saying to is saying to you hey take a gamble on us and i think that's why disney are so good because they're no longer marketing the product they're just marketing themselves um so yeah it's, it's an interesting one you said something there that resonated as well though that there was basically a promise made at least i felt it if, if i go see that movie I'm gonna have a good time. I'm mm. gonna have a laugh. I'm gonna giggle. This is it's gonna bring me something in my youth. And there was it was very low risk. It didn't yeah. feel like I was gonna be disappointed. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, if it had been a totally different movie, a reimagined thing, I, I, that wouldn't have been a guarantee. But yeah. the guarantee basically was this is as you remember it, and yeah. uh, and and that made it you know a no brainer basically. Yeah, so, definitely. Okay. Right. Let's get a score on the board out of five, please, for Lion King. Well, I must say this is probably not gonna be. Uh, a very fair summation because I've never been a big fan of The Lion King in the first place. Um, I actually find it to be a film about literally nothing. Uh, a lion is a, is a kid and then he goes away and then he comes back and then kills another lion at the end. Like, it, there's not much to it. So, uh, if it, we're talking about the animation, if we're talking about the original, I'm going to give it a three. If we're talking about the remake, I found it to be even more redundant and actually even less enjoyable. So, I give that a two and a half. So, you pick what one you want to pick. That's what I'm going with. 
Start with the original. Okay. Original film stand. Yeah. The kind of stand so. Okay, three. Amazing. Well, there we go. That completes our, our little set of five five new movies going in the leaderboard, which I'll update with all the new scores. Um, and we've learned a lot there actually. This is almost like a, a 101 to business management. You know, if, if you're dealing with change management or you haven't thought about it, the usual What's suspects. Usual suspects? You're interviewing, if you're being interviewed or you're interviewing people, Wally. Yeah. Uh, work-life balance, very important, in, in particularly in the current world we live in. So the Truman Show is, is your, your guide to that. Planning, get on your Sauron in Lord of the Rings with Return of the King. Very much Sauron's perspective for your planning. And um, sales and marketing, The Lion King. Uh, and there you go, 101 to business. <laughs> Completely Plan. undercut the need for any other training in business management at all. Just watch those five films and you're yeah. done. I've noticed that I was thinking as you were giving your scores that I would have given lots of different scores to these movies, but yeah. um, it's been your league table in the first seven episodes. I might go back and retrospectively score it and, and do well, a, a, my own competing league table. I, I actually think you've hit on something there. Why don't we have a, a, a concurrent running score table where you review and I review and we just both give our perspectives on things? Okay. Yep, sounds good. I like it. So actually, you know what we should do? We should challenge like our four listeners out there you know the four people that consistently listen to this podcast um i think we should say to people watch a film the next film you watch see if there's a message in there that you can retrieve um and i can guarantee you that the author didn't intend to put it in there but i can i can also guarantee you that with enough consideration you can assimilate most core values to to many stories and so it's the next film you watch see if you can pull something out of it and if you do and let us know let us know yeah just tweet us just do it just send us a a tweet or something and then what we do inevitably in a year's time when this is hugely successful and we have t-shirts made that the little keeping on track on we'll give them a free t-shirt should we do that (laughs) yeah and a um a turbo man coupon so they can get their free turbo man um there's a little jingle it's a reference that I don't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> reference I don't get but that's fine cookie down uh, yeah so no it sounds good well done Adam you did a good job I think you should I think you should host most weeks going forward you are definitely getting bored of this podcast you're just trying to get rid of it now I was, can I just find anyone listening I was invited on as a guest in week one and now seven weeks in I'm here every he's, week he's here every week Make it, he's even at a point now where he's running the thing <laughs> Dedicating time to uh, to spreadsheets say, and dice games. There we go. That is that is that is uh, that's delegation there. That is motivating people. <laughs> motivating Innovation <change> management. <laughs> and it's sales and marketing because yeah. I got you to do it. And uh, yeah. And I get my feedback. Give me feedback live on. Live on <laughs> and your work life balance is through the toilet. So there you go. Um, there you go. Fantastic. Thanks very much. No, Appreciate thank it. you. Good job, my man. And uh, I'll speak to you right. next week. Thank you. Indeed. Thanks for listening, everyone.